Welcome along to the Wise Men Say podcast. We are here for our final podcast of the season. Unfortunately, because of the context of uh, why I'm saying that, uh, we might bring you some stuff over the summer we normally do. Um, but I feel, it does feel like it's been a very long time since we've had a break from this because we brought you so much amazing content over lockdown, of course. Whether I'm, recording, I'm actually recording another pod tomorrow, Stephen. Who? Who is? I think I am. <laughs> All right, okay. For, for the wise men's here? Yeah, yeah. All right, okay. Probably out later in the week. Yeah, oh, I, 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 I forgot about yeah. that one. Actually, there's two. There's two that might be getting done this week. Yeah, so you can't just disregard uh, everything yeah. I've just said. And um, as chaotic as ever, but we've got two specialist podcasts <laughs> coming out for you this week, perhaps. But this will be the last one when we're talking about, yeah. um, you know, current affairs in 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 relation to Sunderland and the first team, anyway. So that's Gareth Barkey. Good to you there. I'm Stephen Goldsmith. Joining us tonight to talk about uh, things is Phil Smith from the Sunderland Echo. Are you okay, Phil? Evening. I like how it sounds as if Gareth's just doing a monologue. I'm looking forward to that. Um, <laughs> no, well, actually, it's a you might be interested in this because it, it's it's. It's supposed to be tomorrow, so hopefully you know it'll uh, go ahead as planned. Um, but we'll we're doing a little bit of a chat with uh, Chris Rushworth from Durham, um, just about um, obviously a bit on Sunderland and obviously a bit on the cricket, which is back. So you know, I'm I was going to say he is a, he is a cricket yeah. player for those who don't follow. Yeah, the yeah, yeah. So yeah, he's, a, he's actually he's broken like about ten records this season, and he, he already. Um, Durham, he's now Durham's all-time wicket-taker, isn't Yeah, he, he is. A, I think he's got 700 list there. Mm. Well, so 700 first-class wickets across all competitions. He's also Durham's lead, now Durham's leading wicket-taker. And I think he got his thousandth wicket or something in the in, yeah. in at the weekend. So, you know, he's just racking them up. So, yeah, he's um, Durham's stalwart. And he'll be joining us here to just have a chat about... Um, you know, obviously a bit about Sunderland. He's got a pod as well and just a bit on the cricket because obviously you can go back to the cricket um, now and that's on all summer. So we'll have a little bit of a chat about, you know, where you can go and see it down at the Riverside. Um, so that might be interesting to a few people. But that's yeah. about it, really. I'm mean, sure I might as well tell other people what the other one is going to be now. I mean, on, we'd be like, start, we started by saying, like, you'll not be hearing from us again and then just, yeah, like, yeah. try to shut it down. It's like, all yeah. right, let's do loads of self-promotion about these yeah, these yeah. things we're going to be releasing for you this week. Um, we will also, in, in some form, we're still trying to finalise who's available to do it. We will be speaking to um, Steph Horton this week as well. Of course, uh, another Sunderland fan and captain of the England women's team, Man City as well. So that will be good to catch up with her. And um, I'd speak to her because we, we've we've had a few in the past, a few Sunderland uh, ladies players on, haven't we? But we've never spoken to Steph, so that'll be canny. So two great podcast feelers for you to um, watch out for, actually. And then, um, and then we'll not do anything else. Yeah, then we might. We <laughs> Until might August. We'll see. We'll see. Tempting. I don't know. Me and the boy Keelan's talked about doing stuff for England, but we might have to step across to the From the Terraces podcast for that one. Um, we'll see. We'll see. Anyway, anyway, Sunderland are out of the um, promotion race now. They beat Lincoln City 2-1 and went out on aggregate 3-2. So I think, you know, before we get into that, Phil, just nice to be, you know, have fans back in the ground. Um, Very emotional for a lot of people. And I know it's a bit cliched when you say 10,000 people sound like 40,000 people, but generally... 
inside the ground, 10,000 people sound like 40,000 people. It's the best atmosphere I've seen possibly since Everton on the Sam holidays. Yeah, it's one of those where it sounds like trite, doesn't it? But it is actually true. You know, it, it genuinely did feel like it was a full house. And I think it was definitely the, the best atmosphere, I think, since they dropped into League One, you know, in terms of the across the game rather than just, you know, sort of an individual moments. Obviously, you've got like Gucci's header against Charlton and stuff. But it was, it was amazing. Just the whole day really was sort of like, even just in the morning, going for a cup of coffee and people starting to mill about in their Sunland shirts and just little stuff that you've, kind of forgotten about you know that you get so used to and you know having other people on the bridge when I was walking yeah. across you know just little things like that it was it was such like a I don't know it was weird it was just such a in a lot of ways such a great day then also obviously absolutely naff um, by the end of it but the the occasion itself it was it was it was a really emotional one um, and just so disappointing that it kind of fizzled out the way it did really because you know, the first 45 minutes, you know, you take away League One or whatever of that, that was on its way to being one of the great games, I think, at the Stadium of Light, I really do. Um, and then I suppose kind of fitting for the season as a whole, I guess, it just kind of, you know, just faded away, didn't it? They built your hopes up and then uh, and then crushed them. Um, I think, you know, that <clears> first <throat> half, and I don't know, I know you were you weren't fortunate enough to go to the, to the match, Gareth, so I don't know how it came across on the telly, so I'd be interested to know how what you both think about this. But we were watching the game, and it's it's everything you ask for as a fan, firstly. You know, bare minimum, you know, look to win the second balls, look to get in the faces, close everything down, play with a high tempo. And um, Sunderland did all of that. Uh, I don't think there was a great tactical mass to plan behind it, apart from the shape was obviously set up to play in a certain way, you know, the two strikers, for example. And um, it was clear to me... It was clear to me after 35 minutes that they were knackered and they couldn't sustain that for the rest of the game. Would you, would you agree with that? I think it was it was going to be impossible. I mean, when we got to half time, it's not just the actual, just normal physical, you know, rigors of playing that game. It's also the nervous energy and the adrenaline. And when you have that break at half time. We needed a third, didn't we, yeah, before the break? Yeah, we needed the third. And I think. Once, once that all of that sort of exits your body, almost all of you know, it's hard to get going again. It's like you know, it's, and I think, I think they tried in the second half. What did what did just, so, in the first half? What did what did um? Because I haven't seen anything back from the telly. Yet. Okay. I haven't seen any highlights or anything. What did Ross Stewart, the challenge on Ross Stewart look like? A penalty? I don't think it was a penally. You didn't After, think live a, live I did. Um, and From my the angle, re- it looked like a penalty. I was on, on the, the replay, behind the goal. On the replay, I didn't think it was a penalty. I think if he got a touch on a ball, it would have been a penalty. I think. Well, he didn't. Yeah, it does. It did in this instance because he kind of he he kind of collapsed. It's kind of a coming together rather than a block. But I think if he touches the ball, he could argue. Well, I've but he no neither of them got the ball, and he wasn't. The goalkeeper didn't really come into the path of Stewart. It was kind of just like see to, to me, it looked like it did because I was behind that goal on the corner. Oh, um, well, and, yeah, and, you, and, you, and you could and you could see the keeper run out, and then he couldn't put the brakes on, and you thought he's going to take him out here, and I thought he did. Phil, what did you it, think? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm right up the top of the Premier Concourse. To me, it live in the flesh, it looked like an absolute stonewaller. I thought the keeper, I thought it'd come two, three seconds too late. Yeah. And attain them out, but I've not, I've not seen a replay. Okay. Um, if you watch it back, I mean, 
watch it back after if you can be bothered. I'm interested because if I was in the ground, I would have been screaming for it. But and it looked live. I was like penalty as soon as he as soon as he went into that area. But then when you do watch it back, it was probably the right call. Just if you'd given it, you'd been like, well, maybe we'll enough. put a poll out. It's I do soft. think I do think if we'd got if we'd scored a third, I think I think they would have collapsed. I think they would have and, and, and all and all those worries and concerns where you say, you know, nervous ends you go in the second half, ran themselves into the ground, because it would have been justified to make a change even at half time then if you've got a three goal lead, right? I'm gonna do something to change it. Um I think, you know, it might not be realistic. I think he was gonna make changes at half time to the look, but we were talking about it in the ground saying he need he needs to do something quickly here because um you know they're they're knackered and they can't sustain this. And now you've got to try a different approach. I just think I just don't think you 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 could have continued trying to do more of the same. And I think Phil, with Lincoln making those two changes at half time, you could tell five minutes into the second half that the momentum had shifted. Was he slow to react? Because he he should have reacted then, at least in my opinion, in I terms think, of in terms of changing it. Yeah, I think it was clear the goal was coming probably five minutes before it did. I think so. I think that's a fair comment. As one of my big frustrations, to be honest, with this team, especially over the last like six weeks or so, is that it feels like as soon as the opposition has even a fairly small spell of concerted pressure, they score. You know, we just suddenly yeah. just don't seem to ride out spells of pressure at all. Um, I think like, yeah, I think it was. I think everyone could see in the ground, couldn't they, for at least five minutes beforehand that the goal was coming if there wasn't a change in coming. You have to give credit credit to Lincoln as well because I thought they're decision-making all the way through the second half was really good, to be honest. I think that there's maybe a bit of a lesson for Sunderland, you know, the way they've used their own system, the calibre of player they've brought in, you know, Morgan Rogers, the way going forward and going back, it's always seemed to be making the right decision up against Gooch. Um, I, th- I was really impressed with the way they played in the second half, to be honest. And then by the end, as you say, you know, you could tell the goal was coming and after that, it was kind of what we've seen for too long, really. I just felt it was all a bit Hail Mary, like, Slinging it forward, yeah, slinging it ball in the box. I know McGeady hits the post, and if that goes in, it can be a different game. But like Sunderland have only come from behind once this year to win a game, as in 2021. And I just think it's the kind of the same thing when they go behind. Um, just seems to panic. And, um, and, and, and although this wasn't going behind in 90 minutes, it's going behind at the yeah, time. It's the so same. it's the same, yeah. It's, it's the, the same, same game state, isn't it? Yeah. You need, you know, they need two yeah. goals or a goal. Um and you know, very similar to like the Wigan game, for example, Wigan away, where it just they just seem to lose that composure. So, yeah, the second half was really, really disappointing. I, I do think, like credit to Lincoln, I think over 180 minutes, I thought they, they deserved to go through. I think it's it's funny though that is it because in in the when you talk about the games themselves, you could probably just argue that, but in the actual sort of chances and. In the games and the opportunities, I would say we probably just edged it. I think, like in terms of you know, especially at their place, <coughs> I think I think they were quite lucky to come away two 0 Um, you know, I think what if if we if we come away one nil, um, I think that would have been fair. But it's an interesting one, that isn't it? Because would we have approached the game in the same manner with a one goal deficit? It was almost like having that two-goal deficit gave us license to go and play the way we did in that first half. And I think, you know, we'll, I think if we would have been one nil down, we wouldn't have approached the game in the same way. Um, and, and as a result, I think we would have been worse for it. And it just got me thinking 
need to build a team that can approach your game in the manner they did in that first half. Like the 2-0 down from the first leg of a playoff semi-final in every game. Well, uh, we're turning the crowd on your exactly. side, wouldn't it? That's yeah. what I mean. And you saw how powerful that was. And, you know, we've, we've been dossing about in this league for three years now in, like, respecting the opposition. And we've been, you know, trying to manage games and all this kind of thing. And nothing we've done's worked. You know, we need to build a team that can play that way um, on a weekly basis. Yeah. Well, I mean, the the owners have acknowledged that's the kind of football they want to play, Phil, haven't they? So, um, you know, we, we're going we're gonna to get on to that. We're going to, I want to, I don't want to talk about sort of where we go from here and in relation to, you know, the manager, the kind of players we need to bring in, the players who are out of contract and stuff like that. I think, um, you know, just reflecting on, on, on this whole pool run and this whole season, Phil, do you think, um, how does how does it seem like the mood is in the camp? Because Lee Johnson was trying his best to tell us that this was a reset, and we all wanted to believe it was a reset. Um, nothing from the first leg suggested that was the case, and barring forty five minutes in the in the in the um, second half, nothing suggested um, in the second leg. Nothing suggested that was the case. So it's it, it implies it's something more than that, doesn't it? And and that, you know the the break didn't do them any good at all, really. Yeah, I thought that, you know, it was interesting what Gareth said about the first leg at Lincoln. I think over the course of 90 minutes, yeah, for sure, sort of the balance of chances, 2-0 to Lincoln flattered them. But I also felt that first half hour, Sunderland could have lost the tie. They were so unbelievably poor and so unbelievably lethargic. And that was hard to fathom. I mean, I do think like the defensive injuries, you know, you don't want to make excuses. But if someone had said to us at the start of the season that for the defining moment of the season, you would have a back four of um, power, Right or nine in Lyndon Gooch, um, you know, I you would have wondered what had happened, and I do think that's been a big factor. But I just think the squads just looked so muddled, and you can see that in the kind of strange way that, for example, Jordan Jones plays the first leg and then doesn't appear at all in the second leg. Aidan O'Brien, who six weeks ago looked to be such an important player, all of a sudden barely gets a kick in the playoffs, and I just think that the squad is doesn't seem to have that kind of defined way of playing or philosophy or whatever you want to call it. And I just think that gets shown up in times of stress within games. And I think you've seen that in, in, in both of these. Who's that, who's that down? Cause we, we, you know, we are told, we are told and, you know, most people I think would relatively happy with the appointment of Lee Johnson, but we are told that this is very much a man who has a very clear identifiable philosophy and way of playing. We, we, we were told that and, Bristol City we use as an example for that. So is it just something that runs deeper than him still at the minute and it's going to take it's going to take longer to sort out or, or do you think the manager is under, is under pressure? Well, I, yeah, it's a difficult question. I mean, I think that fundamentally, I think a lot of problems stem from the fact that I don't think the recruitment last summer was particularly good. I don't think the recruitment in January has turned out to be particularly good in hindsight. Um, it is a difficult one, isn't it? Because I definitely thought we would see a clearer kind of shift in style from Lee Johnson. And I think that hasn't really happened. And I think in fairness, he would probably say in response that, you know, he's had to adapt. He's had to be pragmatic because of the injuries and that's forced him to kind of go away from how he wanted to play. Um, I don't know, for me personally, I don't know about under pressure. I don't get the impression that internally he's under any pressure, but I certainly think that, you know, Gareth's alluded to it there. I think at the start of next season, it's not about getting, for me, like 30 points from the first and games or anything like that, but you want to see that there is a real discernible shift 
um, and that they play like they did in that opening half an hour in the intensity and the tempo um, that they can do that you know, time and time again because I have some sympathy in terms of why we haven't seen that so far because of the defensive injuries yeah. because of behind closed doors football. I can understand why it's not quite happened um, but I think it's fair to say that the standard of football over the last eight weeks has not been particularly any different to what we saw under Phil Partins and I think there are reasons for that but I certainly expect that at the start of next season you would hope to see that change significantly. Mm. I, I, I'm just the substitution thing is what concerned me because it's one of those where you know he, he's been generally quite good with subs. I think in a, in a lot of games, you know, we we had Phil Parkinson who was at one extreme, didn't we? And we, he wasn't changing anything until like the last ten minutes, and then at, at times Lee Johnson t- kind of goes in too much and he's making he's making four changes and you think that's a little bit early. Um, but it just it just worried me his his lack of reaction on on uh, just after half time. I think you know when we we as fans were all standing having a conversation after 35 minutes saying these players are knackered, they are knackered now, and we we are the team that looks like we need half time in a way, even though Lincoln were under pressure. If that makes sense. Now I, I know you can't just judge. I'm sound like I'm judging these judging this up one game because I've acknowledged he has been good with subs recently, but I think you know I, I think that is something fans start to notice now, and it'll be interesting to see um, how they are from when we when we start the season, because we, we've had this many times over the years, haven't we? A manager come in halfway through the season and then the argument is they should be given a, a pre-season and, and a summer to put their own stamp on it. And then it doesn't go to plan the first few games and they're under pressure again. And it's, a, it's a cycle we need a break out of, to be fair, isn't it? I wonder if, you know, having that five subs, yeah, it's a blessing in many respects, but in terms of the way you're planning, <clears throat> planning, your game, planning the game and when you're going to reduce those substitutes and I wonder if it's a little bit more, you know, of a hindrance and going back to the three next season. Um, I wonder if, you know, it, it, that'll help in a way. Um, but, but like what Phil was saying about, you know, it's all a bit of a, a hail Mary going to get to that point. Maybe not having that, those options for making, you know, swathes of subs like where we've seen like four subs come on and stuff like that. Uh, like earlier in the season to change things I think it's like and we'll get on to talk about next year in a bit but you know you look at someone like Ross Stewart there like I know he, there's there's mixed opinions on him but like, I think I definitely think he's got there's something there to work with in terms of yeah, he's, yeah. He's, yeah, got yeah. Attrib- he's got attributes that all of the other players all the other good players who, who play for other teams have got that our good players don't have and that's athleticism and speed and like you could hold a ball up as well he's got that and like with nobody else nobody else really does like even like Diamond's fast but he's not athletic is he do you know what I mean it, like I mean Diamond's frustrated he's young and you, we need to like short a level of patience but yeah. he, he's picked the wrong game to arguably have his worst ever game for Sunderland didn't he against Lincoln but you know yeah. that that is going to happen that's it's, it's <coughs> unfortunate it's going to happen was an argument he should put Jones on instead Phil he's not been in great form for Sunderland well, he, he, we, we were warned we were warned about Jones by fans of other clubs saying he'll start great then he'll lose interest for you because it's a loan and, and, and that, that seems to be what's happened to me. yeah it's, that's, that's exactly my point like yeah in hindsight Diamond's didn't affect the game when he came on and therefore it's easy to say you should have brought Jones on but 
Jones, I know he drew an unbelievable save from Bursic the other night, fair enough, but you know he was not great in that game. He, d- he did not put his hand up to say, I've got to start on Saturday, at least in my opinion. And I don't think he's done that since the Portsmouth game. And I know he got an injury in that game and that might have affected his momentum, but there's too many players like that, you know, who I do think the squad's been a little bit too big over the last few weeks. And I don't think that's helped because I think it has led to this like almost muddled selection like I referred to before. And just like going back to a little bit about what Gareth said, I think that those attributes, it's massive. It's massive in the forward areas and it's massive in midfield. You know, we talked a little bit about um, sort of the, the style and kind of the philosophy that we haven't seen how disappointing that's been. I think like in certain areas of the pitch, it's because we need different attributes in centre midfield. We need, in my opinion, more dynamism, more athleticism, players who are always trying to move the ball forward, get the ball on the half turn. Um, you know, I think, you know, I think it's a really good point about Stuart, who I think brings something different up front. And I think we need that in the middle of the pitch as well. And I do think that's been a big part of it. I mean, Wednesday night especially, you know, it just felt like there was a almost like a lack of personality in there, um, if you know what I mean by that. So, it's yeah, just, I, think, I think... It's very... It's very stodgy, isn't it? It's very, like... It's kind of just plodders on the, like, a bit. I don't know, that sounds harsh in, like, some respects. <coughs> I don't mean that in like in their ability at this level because I think you know some of the players do have technical ability for this level that's good enough more than good enough and, and better than and many um you know other teams but in terms of the actual um you know the the physical attributes that they just don't possess them and like that's why it gets it gets very sort of stodgy in that you know around it like in, in most areas but especially in midfield like you say Phil it's like they're all just the same like the same kind of player like it's not it's it's and we can't you can't just have someone who wants to receive the ball in the D like sorry in the halfway line and sort of get his head up and have a look and you know, try and play a Diag or something like that. It's like that it seems to be like what they do. Yeah, and it, like 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 you say, it's not about like digging out individuals or whatever, because like you say, a lot of these players have attributes that are worthwhile, but the chemistry to me just doesn't seem to be there. Um I've never really seen a midfield partnership that I think like, oh, I really like the balance there. Um and I think that we've massively seen that over the last few weeks. I think you know, finally, just to, to talk about just being, you know, back on the ground and 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 how good that was is the final thing to take away, isn't it? That we're gonna um, all hopefully enjoy going back to the match next season. And I think the the club are lucky in a way. It's daft as that seems because they've lost like loads of money and revenue and stuff. But that might buy them a little bit of time, mightn't it? That the fans are gonna go back in and it's gonna be a new experience again for all of them because it was, it did almost have a feel of a cup final. How many games does that last? How many games does that um, go on for? Just depends on the results, doesn't it? Um, what I would say though is, is, is you know, if you're a grown man, and you decide that you are instead of just going to the pub or going home, uh, that you're going to steer around and hang around outside the ground for an hour just so you can go and hurl abuse at the manager. Then you need to reevaluate your life because that is absolutely pathetic behaviour and um, just feeds into the into the crap that some people involved at the top end of the club have suggested, which is utter nonsense. But hopefully 
they know that and they'll see through that. Right, when we come back, we're going to have a little bit more of a chat about where we go from here. Have a look at the, um, the list of players out of contract and stuff. <laughs> Wise Men Say podcast is brought to you in association with From the Terrace Cargo Shorts. For a 10% discount, enter the code WMS10 at the checkout stage. Or bucket heads. While you do that, check out the From the Terraces podcast presented by Rory Fallow and Matthew Keeling. T-shirts. For more information, search for From the Terraces on social media. Welcome back to the Wise Men Say podcast. We have a discussion now, I think, about where we go from here. Stop me if you think you've heard this one before, <laughs> um, but we are going to be looking to rebuild the game. We were going to have to rebuild Phil Wormy, whatever the division we win. I think they made that clear, mm-hmm. but I guess it just it impacts the level of player you're going to track, the level of player that you can go for, doesn't it? Um, and it's just a shame that we're going to be doing it in the third division again. All right. Crap, in it. Like, you, it every is, now, every now, can't, we can't play it down, can we? Like, no, you can it, you can it. And like, the thing is, like, I believe the club's in much better position than it was twelve months ago. And there's a lot of changes that I think are really encouraging and stuff. But I think it's all also all right just to be like, fucking hell, this is crap. I can't believe we have to do this again. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, you can't downplay the fact Sunderland have been nah. at this level once in their entire history before this recent spell and they absolutely pissed the league that time when they were down and you know Charlie and others can come out as much as they want and say you know you need to change expectations that is just, that's just not like no we can, we cannot do that as far as I'm concerned I, you I was... know the, the day we stop being arrogant it's not even arrogant realistic just look at the clubs we're playing and like it needs to be this whole attitude needs to be we are better than this and we need to be better than this yeah I, I massively respect all the teams who've taken points off Sunderland in the last few years I just sick of seeing it <laughs> I know but yeah look it's like I think it's it's an interesting one with the squad isn't it because I think that the way the season's ended I think it's probably really sort of crystallise the fact that it's probably time for like a proper refresh, mm. doesn't it? I think it's given, I think it's kind of really focused the mind on, you know, what, over a three-year period, what is it, um, fifth, eighth and fourth, I think. I know last season was, you know, yeah. the game and all that, but that tells its own story, doesn't it? Um, and you can't expect a similar group of players to suddenly do something different, in my opinion, I think. You know, we talked about that chemistry and that blend on the pitch and what have you and the attributes that they're lacking. I just think they've reached a point where you said, you know what, they haven't done this three times. I don't think they're going to do it at the fourth time. So we have to we have to try something different. We have to go in a different direction. And other clubs are looking at that as well. So, you know, Portsmouth and Ipswich have relatively new managers who are experienced and good in the, in the lower leagues and they're going to be reassessing how they do things. We've got Rotherham coming down who got promoted last time and coming down straight away. So you would imagine that well, they're going to keep... They've, they've been promoted the last three times they've been in the division. Well, uh, you know, there you go. Then they come down. So they've got pedigree at this division. You've got Sheffield Wednesday as well, um, who a bit of a basket case club. So there's no guarantee that they're going to go. But at the same time, like the things we are saying about Sunderland, where a club that size should attract good players and stuff like that, that is, that is relevant for them as well. And sometimes it can work. Paul also won the league as well. And they were basket case coming down. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. It's going to be the toughest, it's going to be the toughest season 
since we come down, if, since we've come down next year, without doubt, in terms of the, you know, the the people, the, the teams that are down there, <clears throat> like it's it's, we can't, you know, we can't afford to get. What do we get? Seventy nine points was this? Seventy eight, seventy nine. Can't remember. I mean, it's it's amazing how it's like, you know, I don't know what we would have got on points per game finishing eighth last year, but you know, to finish fourth on seventy nine and finish fifth on 85 in the first season. Um, you know, I think it tells you, it, tell, it tells you what the league was like last year. Um, and I think Phil's right in what he said. I, I don't, about the, the group that we've got at the moment, and I don't think it's, it's you know, the, the, the quality last year probably meant that our results were better with the group we've got. Whereas that team in that first season, Probably wouldn't have gone well. Wouldn't have gone into the playoffs. No chance. So, um, yeah, it, it's I'm I'm sort of like it's weird because and like I'm sure people probably think like what's he talking about? Or, you know, I kind of wasn't kind of that. Didn't really feel that bothered. Like I don't like about the weekend. Like I don't know if it's because I wasn't there or it's, it's just been a weird season. It's felt like a fake <clears throat> a fake season. Like a well, that's you what know, I was saying. Uh, you know, there's an element now, of that, yeah, because yeah, I, I think that 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 will lend them a little bit more patience than normally got. Mm. Like I think as many fans as possible will turn up. Well, I think it had we gone and witnessed that full season. So our crowds have been good since we've dropped, you know, thirty thousand, twenty nine thousand around that mark, which for Division Three is unbelievable. It really is, um, and I think this could have been the first season where we saw a significant drop in that. Um, and I think that this is probably. I mean, I don't know how many fans are going to be allowed back in initially, but this has probably bought them some patience on that. I mean, sh- sh- on, on that, I'm sure, you know, it looks as though we'll, you know, we'll all be able to get back in, doesn't it? So you'd have thought. But... Mm. Right. Let's have a look at this list, Phil. Have you got the, the list of players who are uh, out of contract in the summer? And we'll um, we'll just give our opinion on 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 whether we think they should be offered something or not. It's really easy, isn't it, on one hand, before we just, like, start this, to say, get rid of them all. Um, but, you know, you need some... You need some sort of consistency and some sort of, um, you know, familiarity, don't you? You don't want to be just buying an entirely new squad. So it'll be interesting to see what people think when we look at yeah. this list. And there are a lot of them, aren't there? Yeah, so, I mean, the first thing to say as well is that and I think people probably already know this, but just to stress that, you know, these are people who were going off the length of what their contract was announced at the time for a lot of these players. You know, the policy was to include the option of an extra year. So I'm sure people remember last year, Chris Maguire and Luke O'Nine, there was a lot of uncertainty and then all of a sudden, bang, they were on the retained list. That's because the club had that option. So when the retained list comes out, there might be one or two who we thought were potentially out of contract who might still be under contract. And do, do, you, do you know who those are or not? I don't know. Um, I'm fairly sure Lee Burge is one of them. Um, I'd be stunned if Denver Hume wasn't one of them because if they didn't put an option in, then that would be very, very bad planning. But I suppose that's not beyond the realms of possibility. <laughs> um, so all three goalkeepers are out of contract, Burge, Matthews and Patterson. Um, like I say, I'm pretty sure Burge has an option. They'll want to keep Patterson because they rate him really highly. Yeah. Um, Bird should be kept as a backup keeper. You don't want to bring in two new keepers in. 
because we, we need to, we need to improve our team next year. I mean, Lee Burge was put in the in the in the team of the year, wasn't he? Yeah. Um. He, you know, he he saved a penalty again. He saved a couple this season, but you know, frankly, if we're going off what we've seen before, you know, he's far inferior to John McLaughlin than we had previously, and that needs to be the standard, doesn't it? Yeah, you, you need a an excellent goalkeeper at the level. Um, I would I would be I think Burge is more than. Kate will have been part of that goalkeeping group, if you like, but you definitely need a new option, in my opinion. Um, Defence, we've got Conor McLaughlin, Colin McFadzine, Denver Hume. I suppose you could maybe put Luke O'Nine, defender midfielder, whenever you like. Luke O'Nine be one of the most players on Championship Manager, where it's like midfielder, uh, defender midfielder, forward, right, left, centre. There's loads of greens all <laughs> over the pit. And and is that it? Do you want to go through the rest and then we'll go back and look at them yeah, all? Yeah, yeah. Uh, midfielders, Max Power, Josh Scowen, Chris Maguire, Aidan McGeady, and then Charlie White as well. Right, so defenders. So firstly, on the on the keeper, Gareth, you, you, you've made your clear, your feelings clear on Lee Burge, would you? Would you? And this is a thing, again, where it's easy to say, right, release them all, but, you know, well, it's easy for Sunderland to find a... Maybe not with their track record, but in, in theory, it's easy for the Sunderland to find one keeper who's better than Lee Burge than to have to find two keepers who are up to a certain standard, right? Do you think or not? Well, why not just get one good goalkeeper, keep Patterson, get rid of the other two, and then... If your main keeper gets injured, just get an emergency loan. Yeah, that's a good, uh, that's a good show. Get the but same not, guy who keeps playing not, again. So. Oh, but I'm not like, <laughs> I'm, I'm being serious. I'm not like kind of, it's not a flipping comment about whether, well, he's played for Peterborough. He's played for Lincoln. You know, we, we've we faced an emergency loan goalkeeper about seven times this season. It's like, well, what's the point then? Why, yeah. why are we wasting resources yeah, I agree. On, on bringing, on strengthening that position so we've got backup? So we, we think, oh, we need to get another keeper in. So we bring Remy Matthews in. He's like the worst goalkeeper that's ever played for us. And that's, again, some stiff competition. You know what I mean? It's like, why are we doing that? Use your brain. Like, just go, no. It's like, I know, we'll do. We'll, I know. We'll get, it's we'll hard. Go out. It was we'll hard. Go out. It was solely about that. Like, it really was. But it's it, it, it beyond that. It's like, well, let's look at what, let's look at what, how to, how to operate here. And if we're going to talk about reduced budgets and things like that, <clears throat> If you think you've got can find a better goalkeeper than Lee Burge, then go and get him, get rid of Lee Burge. But obviously, you're saying if he might have a, a contract trigger in there, so that might not be possible. But the point stands if, if, if you were going to approach it that way, then why not just say, well, put Patson on the bench? He hasn't played a league game anywhere, so yeah. It's a good Birds shout. Get we'll I get, don't we'll think we'll do that. We'll be, we'll be, it's a good shout. It's it kind of like the loophole, isn't it, to do that? Yeah, um, <clears throat> yeah that'll be interesting to see what the, what, what, what they do with that because, like, it, it kind of starts from the back, doesn't it? And and I think Lee Burge ended up having a better season than most of us were expecting in a way. And but there were still there were still howlers there, weren't there, that really cost us a lot of points and. I know we, we've said a lot of times this is the le- this is the standard of the division, but actually I'm not sure it is really. Like I think the the Lincoln keeper who played against us the other day, I, can't, I don't think he's renowned for his howlers, is he? Um, it doesn't seem to happen much. What, what what's happened with that? People. The lad from Portsmouth. Yeah, he's not got anywhere yet. He's not got anywhere yet because yeah. they released him. He's always looked decent when he's played against us. McGilvery, is it? 
McGillivray. McGillivray. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's an experienced keeper at this level who you know, has always looked all right. Mm, I just uh, think we need to be looking. We need to be looking above dummy keepers who have been above us previously, like John McLaughlin. Well, like, like that Chris Maxwell, by the way, who got keeper of the season for Blackpool, saw him play in the championship and he was absolutely crap. So there you go. I mean, when he would play for Preston, he was appalling. Um, and they, I, I just goes to show, doesn't it? <laughs> right. Who were the defenders again, Phil? We'll have a look at those now. McLaughlin, McFadden, Hugh. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Callum McFadden, I think if he comes out and he's on the retain list, everybody, there is a massive problem behind the scenes that we don't know about, right? Yeah, well, he's not staying, is he? Well, you wouldn't you would you would not think so, would you? Mm-hmm. Um this is a player like I'm you know, I don't want to say you don't want to sound like a dick and stuff, dear, but this is just <laughs> Arguably, when you put in the context of the division we're in, arguably the most limited player we've ever had play for us, I think. McLeod Zane. Yeah. But I mean, you have to say it, to be fair to him. He, he works hard and he he tried. His, he, like, yeah, like I know it's like, somebody, well, it's not good enough and I'm, I'm not accepting it, but he was signed by us and he's been asked to play. And I would say you could probably argue that majority of the time he was probably playing above himself. Because his better performances were so much better than his baseline rubbish performances, if that makes sense. So yeah, I, would I, say, I think it's an I think it's an ability issue. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. So, he's, he's, but he did. He, he, did he, he worked. He worked hard. Put his body on the line all the time. He just lacked lacked ability. Yeah, he's not going to get kept on, Phil. Is no, he? Well, absolutely not. No. You, you need a, you need a new left back. You need. I mean, to be honest, you need you need new proper full backs. You like, can't rely on him anywhere, can you? Because of, no, of fitness. Um, like, no, just to echo what McFadden said. He uh, said you said about McFadden. I think he's. You know, you remember that he was signed because they failed to get someone in before the salary cap, basically. Um, and he came in after the window. The intention wasn't really for him to play much. He's had to play a lot. I don't think he's good enough for the level. I don't think he's good enough for a promotion team. Um, but you know you can't you can't say that he sort of didn't put it in. Um, but you, you need better options at fullback. And to be honest, I'd apply that to right back as well. I think you need a, a proper right back. Um, yeah. I think you need at least two either side. I wouldn't I, because he's got to rebuild a defence. And, and and that is one thing, Johnson. You know he he can be validated in that. You know that he, having to put a patched up defence like that together. Is going to impact any any team's promotion bid. Like I think that is fair to say, and you know if you think otherwise, your head's in the cloud. But McLaughlin again isn't one on. So on the face of it, you look and you say no, he's not going to get retained. Again, quite limited. He's he's been a lot. This has been his best season for Sunderland. I think he's he's you know he's played a lot better this season than he has previously. Would there be an argument because we've got so much to do in terms of defensive reinforcements? Because he can cover a couple of positions that he might have a chance of just being a squad player, perhaps, and getting returned. I'm not sure. It's an interesting one. I, I mean, I of all the ones out of contract, he's not one of the ones where if they gave him another year where I think what on earth they're doing, I could see the logic. But at the same time, you're right, they need a lot of players, but they have got Flanagan, Willis, Wright, and Zimagli under contract. Now I know Willis isn't going to play next season and his injury questions over Zimagli, but that is already four, you know, four earners on the books. So 
yeah, it, it is an interesting one. McLaugh- McLaughlin's one of the ones on the list who, if they retained him, I personally wouldn't have a major issue with because of, like you say, that versatility. Yeah, um, you'd want him nothing more than a squad player, though. No, but but you you would still need another right back if that yeah. makes sense. So I wouldn't be like, why on earth have they done that at all? I think when he's been fit this season, he's been steady. Um, no problems with him at all. But I would like to sign a proper dynamic attacking right back. I think that's really important. Yeah. And I thought we, I think we saw that on Saturday. You know, Gooch isn't a natural in that position, but if they want to play that way, it's really important that they have someone who can bring bring that little bit of extra kind of dynamism, if you like, from from yeah. deep. Do and Hume would be surprised if he wasn't retained. Yeah, I think I think next year is a big season for him because I think he's got to play a long run of games. Um, but you know you've you've got to keep a player like that and, and and give him an opportunity, especially one that you've you've developed. I'd be amazed if Hume went. Okay, nothing to add to that, Gareth. Before we move on to midfielders. Yeah, I mean for Hume, if you if you obviously aside from all nine, he would keep. I'd keep Hume and the rest of them. I wouldn't be bothered about in that. Very cool. That is nice and nice and straightforward for Gareth. Uh, Luke I'm, a disappoint- I'm a bit disappointed. That I thought Billy Wright was out of contract, so no, I, would I would have paddled him as well. To be fair, yeah, him and Flanagan yeah. both signed two-year deals last yeah. year. Both had cool seasons. I don't mind. I don't been. mind Flanagan so much, but he's okay. I'm just not keen on like Billy Wright's all right, but he's I don't know. It's just. Feel as though within there's just a bit of like this idea that he's actually better than he actually has been. I don't know, just to what I'm saying. But Luke Nine seems like another no-brainer, um, if nothing else for his versatility. But um, again, I think it sort of shows the standard we've slipped to, where suddenly like he's deemed as really important because he's kind of been our standout player almost wherever he's played. Now he's decent, and he would you would definitely keep him. But again, should he be your best? Seen as your best player, we we should be aiming higher than that, shouldn't we? I don't know. I, I honestly rate O nine. I, I, no, I do as well. I do as um, well. I think he is a really good player for the level. Um, so yeah, I'm probably see that one slightly differently. I mean, what I, w- I would like them to kind of say, we've signed Luke O nine up to a new deal, and he's a centre midfielder. Yeah, well, I was uh, going to say, I mean, it might make a difference of a player in his blue proper position because. Yeah, um, he must be so frustrated as well. Like I know and the it, players say they don't mind as long as they're playing and, and he's playing well and he's getting man the matches in defence and stuff like that. But you know, we were just missing that drive from midfield and that ability to just get beyond and into the box and he can do that, can't he? It's so frustrating. We're like a yeah. broken record on this. Yeah, I know. But yeah, so my view on it is rebuild the defence and tie your nine down and say, right, let's see what you can do. Midfield. Could we lose him, perhaps? Just... I, th- I think there'll be teams interested. I really, really do. It depends on his position, on his, on his and that, position, and that, whether we can extend it or not. Yeah, and that could be a decision for him as well, because a team, you know, a championship team, you know, as as we all know, after his first season down here, he's wanting to sign him, but as a right back, and you know, so it might be what he wants to do with his career, and what Lee Johnson tells him about what position he's going to play in him as well. Um, they will definitely be interested in 0-9 from the championship, in my opinion. Yeah, um, I think I think he'll want to stay at Sunderland if the circumstances are right. But it will be interesting in terms of where those other teams see him and, and where he sees himself as well going forward. I bet on the day he signed for Sunderland, he never thought that Wigan would play in the Championship before he did. Yeah, well, it's amazing. That really, I was that was quite funny when I thought when it looked like there was a chance Wigan were going to end up staying up because of Derby situation. You thought they're going to get they're going to get promoted here when they're. They didn't even finish inside the playoffs, and now they're going to get. Now they're going to avoid a relegation, even though they finished in the relegation spots, which would have been 
quite something, wouldn't it, in terms of being on the on the lucky skill. Um, midfielders, um, Phil, remind us. Power, Scowen, Maguire, McGeady. Okay. Um, I think there's not a cat in hell's chance Chris Maguire is going to get kept on by Lee Johnson. No uh, I think he's made that clear, hasn't he? Despite, it's, 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 it's bizarre that he almost calls on Maguire for the big game. So you start at Wembley. He started this one where it was like last roll of the dice. It's almost like, right, I'm going to put him in now because he can do something for us. And it just makes you wonder, like, he could have done something for you in previous games. But, you know, I think he's not getting kept on, is he? I don't think so. I just, Personally, like, people might disagree, but I just think it's time for M Button to take that position in the squad. Um, okay. That's my opinion. It'd be interesting to see how Wimbledon plays in the final. Wimbledon <laughs> um, well, like, has had about one good half of football for Sunderland in the time he's played. So I know people howl about the fact that he was sent out on loan. But it's just a but fact. Gareth, how, how many consecutive starts has he had in the Sunderland shirt? Well, he has had a lot of injuries, hasn't he? He has. Injuries have been a big part of it and he's had badly timed injuries. But for me, it's like sometimes it feels as if like he comes on in 20 minutes and doesn't like do something unbelievable and it's like oh well he's had a chance I just yeah, don't I I'm, just not, I'm not saying I just think like when you compare like I think earlier in the season when we discussed it and you compare the impact that in the small opportunities say Diamond's had in games he's had a great uh, positive impact in the game than Embleton has had in the same amount of time and as a result Diamond got opportunities and Embleton didn't and if you flip that it would be the other way around. It would have been Diamond who was probably off out on loan at Christmas and then, you know, Embleton staying and playing his part. So, <clears throat> like, you're right in re- some respects how many, you know, but why why, why do you just command a, or deserve a run in a team just because? Or are you just going, right, well, we're putting all our eggs in one basket here. We believe that this person, this footballer, given 25 games on the bounce, is going to be like great but then it's a big that's a big risk to take because if he if he doesn't deliver in that time which is why he's been sent out on loan to make to see if he does do that has he done it i don't know i mean yeah they've they've um obviously had a really good end of the season he scored the other night but in terms of his contributions like in assists and, and goals since he's gone there i'm not sure what what they tally to um, I think that's always going to be, going to be rated if you're an attacking midfielder. He's, he is an attacking midfielder. So, you know, we can talk about people have their opinions on Maguire as an example, but you, you, can, you can give your numbers and say, well, I've delivered. I've given, I've, I was top scorer last season. Um, <clears throat> you know, I'll, I'll, I'll get you 10 goals. I'll get you, you know, eight plus assists a season. Um, so that's what Evan, but like you say, if Edmonton's going to take that place in the squad, I agree. You know, I agree with you. Like that, we should release Maguire and Embleton has to come in um, and, and prove himself. Well, you know, hopefully this was just what he needed. Because uh, like you say, that Philly never really got a successive run of games, did he, for Sunderland? And um, he's done it, let's be honest, at a level and for a team that at the minute are better than Sunderland, which is the kind of weird thing about it. And as well, like just to stress, it's not a knock on Maguire. I think Maguire's been a good oh, saying. Yeah. No, um, I don't. I, 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 I wasn't saying that. Just... I, and I'm certainly not saying as well, by the way, that if Embleton 
doesn't produce like at all that you should just like blindly keep faith with him. But I just think we've got a guy here who clearly has a lot of ability, who's been told to go and fight his way into Blackpool's team and prove himself. And he's done that. He didn't get in the team at first. But if you look every time he's been available to start a game over the last 12, 15 games, he's done so. And Blackpool have been a very good side in that team. So for me, I just think let's give him a chance to see what he can do because that's what supposedly this whole new thing is about. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, and I think if 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 fans had looked at if fans had looked at Blackpool going up this year, um, you know, and, and Embleton was just one of their players, and then suddenly we signed him in the summer, you you you'd be kind of saying, oh well, that looks all right. So, scenes by the way, when Blackpool like buy him for like four million when they get promoted, and this is all <laughs> absolute moot anyway. Yeah, yeah no, I, I, it's just one of those that are like, listen, it's I'm not saying that he'll tear it up. I don't know that. I just think it's time. Time to have a proper look at him. That's just, yeah. just my opinion. Yeah. Um, Josh Scowen is not one that I would keep. Gareth, I don't yeah. even need to ask you what you think about that. Um, Phil. Actually, I thought he actually had a really good first half at the week. Yeah, he's good. One of his yeah. better games on Saturday. Yeah, probably, really his it's probably, his, probably his best game in the first half. Yeah. Terrible in the second half, I thought. I think that I suspect Johnson will want to keep him, to be honest, because he seems to like him. Um, the issue, the thing about Scowen is he came as a championship player and as a consequence of that he was you know I, I, I don't know for sure that he's one of the biggest earners but I know that he was a significant investment at that time in terms of his wages because he'd come from a championship club and well, that might that, that might impact the decision though as well that's, so, that's what I mean yeah. that's what I mean it, it, we're talking about potentially what I mean is they've brought someone in thinking that he was going to be you know a potential top league one midfielder potentially going up with you to the championship do you know what I mean that's and that's what I'm saying. And these are the kind of things you've got to factor in. So it's not just what level of play you think they're at or what level they're at at the moment. It's about, you know, it is also relative to the budget and where they fit in. So I think if he's a really high earner for this division, I think they might let him go personally. I think, I think Johnson will want to keep him. That's personally, I think, um, because he does like him. But I don't, th- I think it might be, um, yeah, like you say, I, I don't think that might not be that straightforward. Okay, so does that leave us with the two biggest talking points then? Uh, McGeady and White are the other two. Power as well. Max Power. Okay, right, Max Power then. That's a. Isn't I like Max. Still in contract, is he? Oh, Ledbetter. Right. No, uh, is Ledbetter going to retire? Yeah. Um, all I'll say is I hope Ledbetter is still at the club in some capacity at the start of next season. So, like, what a. Like, you know, he's come back in that. January and the sent the sentimental sort of story goes that you know they get promoted and and then he's been here for three years. He spent so two and a half years. He spent the vast majority of the time uh, not playing for personal reasons. And then it was you know he's, when he's playing, he's not his best football since he got here. He's not playing in front of anybody, you know. And he's lost a playoff final. He's lost a playoff semi final. It's what what it just sort of showing that football is just harsh. Harsh game, and I, you know, it just doesn't. It's not. The, it's not the fairy tale story. At least he won the the, the EFL trophy. I mean, that's something. That, you know, we need someone of that ilk there. next season because he's the only player really in the yeah. big games who you feel like can can control the game. Um, it's just another. He's just another year older now, isn't he? I guess. Um, I mean, Sunderland have been a better team with him in it more often than not this season. So if they don't keep him on, they need to find someone who can yeah, bring I that agree. composure because they've massively missed it when he's not played. Um, 
Yeah, has he been nursing that shoulder injury for the back end of the season? He's going to have to have surgery this summer on that, won't he? Wasn't that what they were saying at the time? It was what they were saying at the time, yeah. I'm not sure whether that's still still the case. Um, um, Max Powell's an inter- another interesting one. Is being he, he splits opinion, Max, doesn't he? Um, we've always had his back, I think, on, on this podcast. I always quite liked him. I know that you know his decision to shoot from about a million yards out oh. on Saturday was one of the most <laughs> infuriating things that's ever happened. And Sunderland fans will remember that and talk about that for a long time. Um, I think, you know, he started off great and I think he slowly deteriorated in terms of how he can impact the team and what he can bring, bring to the team. Um, I'm not sure personally, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be fussed on keeping him. Phil, how do you think that's going to go? Yeah, I don't know. And for me, that's probably in some ways the most interesting one out of all of them. Um, because I think he has been a decent performer over a period of time. Um, and I think he's got, you know, like we talked about before, I think he's got good attributes. Um, and, you know, personally, I, I, like behind the scenes, I think he's a big influence and I think a positive influence. But again, it's that kind of what we go back to, that like three years, isn't it? Um, and you just wonder if the time's kind of come to, to have a look at some other midfielders. Um I don't think he's a bad player at the level at all. Um, I think technically he's still got a lot to offer. But I just wonder whether, you know, is it time for a fresh start? I honestly don't have a strong opinion either way on that one, to be honest. But I think it will be really interesting to see what they decide. He's a captain, isn't he? Yeah, well, exactly. Um, I mean, I I kind of agree. It It feels like a lot of these, it's like it's not a personal thing. It's just like you've had... Three yeah. chan- you've had three yeah. goals, is it? And you failed. And I'd rather if I was, I'd rather keep power if power than scoring like like a hundred times over. But like, I think I'd probably say, you know, it's probably time to to do something different, which is a shame because like really like him and his attitude, and you know, I think he 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 epitomizes what. Sunderland player should be in many ways. Um, but I think it's just probably time, to, you know, for us to freshen it up. And it's sad to say, but no, uh, yeah, no, I, I agree. And I do like him. And I, again, I wouldn't be like that gutted or disappointed, even I'm not gutted, it's a bit harsh, uh, a bit strong. I wouldn't even be, don't think I'll be particularly disappointed if they do keep him because I do quite like yeah. him. But you say, but the overriding Same. thing is, it's, <clears throat> it's that, like you say, we, this squad of players aren't getting us promoted. They keep falling short, and we at some point do need to make some decisions, some brave decisions to say we need to go and see if we can find somebody who can do the job. And and Power and Scorn both fall into that into that category for me. They're the centre midfielders, and we haven't been good enough in that position. Ledbetter, I, I don't know if you could guarantee Ledbetter was going to be as good as he has been this season. I'll keep him, but it's another. He's another year older, and it's it's. It's difficult, isn't it? Some difficult decisions to be made. But I think um, McGeady and um, White are the two ones that's sort of, you know, the big talking points, um, I guess. Um, Aidan McGeady, I mean, whatever you say about him and his age, Phil, top assist maker in the division, he only played from December. Uh, top, assist make, uh, top assist maker in the whole EFL, is that right? I think I read. Yeah, 14. Yeah, I think it was. 
He ended yep. up with 15, didn't he, after the second goal? Yeah, yeah. 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 So, so it would have been 16. It was 14 in the regular season. He set up two season. goals, didn't he? Yeah, yeah 14, so and then he, and then he 16, set up both. Yeah. yeah. So 16 assists, which is, you know, considering he started in December, is unbelievable. I think a big argument against McGeady that people like to say we rely on him too much and go from too much, and I think that's I think that's true. Um, but again, the challenge is to bring the rest of the team up a level, isn't it? So that's not the case. Rather than get rid of somebody who was just so goddamn important for us because he assists most of our chances. You, you're taking a lot out of the team if you, if you get rid of him, aren't you? Um, did he not trigger an extension, Phil, by playing? Was that not a talking point before the game? No, I, I'm fairly sure that he waived it. Yeah, um, I imagine, you know, the... the... <laughs> They probably would say, "Well, we'd keep you, but probably not on what you're getting paid." Yeah. That'll, that'll so, be... Just to just to clarify, there was some confusion around it, but Lee Johnson did explicitly right. confirm that if he started, he would not trigger the 12 months extension. So as okay. it stands, he's out of contract now. Whether he's waived that outright or whether they've come to some other kind of agreement, I don't know. But he is definitely, as it stands, out of contract. Um, just one. I mean, I just want to say I'm a giddy as well. Like I think that's another example where. You know, there's been a lot said about McGeady and stuff, but this is a guy who's not had a pre-season since someone got relegated to League One because of injury. But he's been probably the key player all that time. Um, and that was another example. I don't think anyone can question his commitment to try and get someone promoted. Um, again, that's just my opinion, but I think he's shown, he's shown that level of commitment and I would try and keep him. But that's going to be a really interesting one because, you know, Lee Johnson's not been in any way shy and saying that he wants him to stay. He's already made his decision on that one, if you like. He wants him to be part of the squad, but the question is whether the sporting director agrees in mm. terms of what kind and of McGee- contract... And McGeady likes it here, doesn't he? He really likes playing for Sunderland. I think I think McGeady will want to stay. I've always got the impression that he feels really settled in the area, which I think is a big, big thing. Like Him and his family seem to enjoy it, and I think that was part of the reason why he didn't choose to leave. Um, when he was kind of exiled under Parkinson permanently, I mean, I know he went on loan to chart. Um, but yeah, that's going to be a really interesting one in terms of the dynamics between, behind the scenes because, like I say, it's not like Johnson's dithering. Um, he's made his opinions clear, but that'll be ultimately that's the sporting director's decision. Um, so it's going to be really interesting to see what judgment he makes on terms of you know the the value of it, if you like. I just think with McGeady, I think you know when you're in when you're watching every week and you know you got those opinions and you know there'll be all sorts of sort of different opinions on his contribution his positive contributions like you say Stephen you've highlighted there but I just think you know sometimes we're overthinking a bit don't we and when you when you hear the every time it might just be pundit saying pundity things but every time you've got ex-players or current players who are on um, you know, doing the coverage on Sky, they always just go on about McGeady and how, you know, he's a he's too, almost constantly say that he's too good for like League One, which I don't necessarily agree with because I watched him in the Championship and he was very patchy. Um, and this is two years down the line, but these are ex players, and you know, I'm not saying they all know better, but yeah, you know, I just think. If we, if we, if we, let, if we let him, if we let him, if we let him go, <laughs> you know, and he rocks up somewhere else Sheffield in this Wednesday division. Somebody, for, I yeah. tell you, well, he probably won't be. He didn't have a very good time there last time, did he? Mm, um, yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, if he rocks up 
you know, somewhere and, you know, in this league and we're watching him getting himself 10, 12 assists and eight goals. We'll I just think, you know, pe- people picking, picking overthinking. I just think for all, you can, yes, we can, it is true to say sometimes we can override them and like give the ball to them. But if you think we've just acknowledged what the first half performance was, that was just commitment. It was just blood and thunder commitment. Yet, if we didn't have his quality on the field, would we have created those chances to score the goals? And I, I know is the answer, I think. And I just think it's more, a ch- the challenge shouldn't be to get rid of him and find a replacement, the challenge should be to get the rest of the team yeah. and the rest of the players you bring in somewhere close or at the same as his level or better than that. That is that is how you build a team, isn't it? That is how you improve your team. You don't try and find like for like, you try and find better. And I just think it will be a, a massive mistake to, to to let him go, especially when he seems to be settled here. What you, What's people's good instinct on it? You've just said that Speakman's call, that Phil, which is really interesting because the manager wants him. I think the majority of fans want him, and it sounds like he wants to stay. So this is a huge call for Speakman. This one. What What does your gut instinct tell you is going to happen? My gut instinct says that he'll stay because I think that if, as I suspect is the case, the will is there on his part to make it happen, then I think they'll be able to to come to something. And I hope that's the case because I I agree with you entirely. The solution is to find midfielders who have the same desire to have the ball and to take chances on the ball and to drive forward like he does. Um, my gut is he'll stay, but that is one that's going to be really interesting to see how that unfolds. Okay, I just think it's very sort of football manager to have the opinion that we shouldn't play him because we rely on him too much. I just think it's, you know, you, yeah. you miss, you miss the I don't think, entirely. To, to be fair, I don't think that's why they would not keep him. I think if they don't keep him, it'll be a judgment made on finance. His, his age and the finances yeah. involved in that. Do you know what I mean? It, it'll yeah. be because, let's say, for argument's sake, and this is me just speculating, not like a factual thing, but it would be McGeady saying he wants three years, for example, and Speakman making a decision that's not wise. Do you know what I mean? I don't think yeah. it would, it's definitely not a footballing thing. Um, it would more be about the the terms of the deal. Well, I think. We've seen before with McGeady and his contract. And, you know, he's taken essentially a pay cut to stay at Sunderland initially. So when they did, when they re kind of hashed his contract and spread his kind of extend the contract, but spread his original wages, I think, over the entirety of the new deal. I think that was the deal they did previously. So I think with McGeady, probably at this stage of his career, he's past the point of the last big payday. I mean, we were probably the last big payday, weren't we? Um, so now it's a case of, like you say, his happiness. And I think, you know, how important is money to him at this stage? He's probably made plenty of money, plenty of money now. Like, it's probably about your football, like you say, your happiness. Um, and I think, you know, I think he's, I think he'll stay. And I think come the end of the season, next season, if he does stay, I think he'll have a positive impact again. So I'm, I'm ha- more than happy if he stays. Yeah. Okay, leaves us with Charlie Wake then, um, which again, that's another one. Phil, it'd be interested to see if he does have that um, option to extend it automatically because he scored 31 goals and frankly, that would attract some clubs who haven't even watched him play. Like that, that is just the way sometimes football works. Why wouldn't teams in the championship want to take a striker who scored 30 odd goals um, in a season in League One? That's a fact, isn't it? So he's going to have interest as well, whatever your opinion of him. Yeah, 100%. It's one of those, isn't it, where you almost think 
if there's a championship club who haven't looked at him, you'd be thinking, well, what on earth are you doing? Because why wouldn't you look at a 31-goal striker in League One who's out of contract? You know what I mean? It's just it's just obvious, isn't it? Because there's not many players score that many goals at that level, regardless of your opinion on why. Imagine if he was a penalty taker. Well, exactly. Cause he could Clark have had 37 near 38 goals this yeah. season. Clark Harris had eight or nine penalties, didn't he, I think, um, mm. for Peterborough. So, uh, he will definitely have interest. Um, I'm convinced of that. And he'll want to keep him, won't he, for the same reasons? Like, again, it's interesting because some people mentioned that he got stick of the weekend and stuff, and that it was a sensational miss, by the way. But he... Um, he scored afterwards. Do you know what I mean? And like, this is what this is what happens. This is what yeah. happens with, with with strikers. And and some people again will say like, you know, well I know, but McGeady's putting them on the plate for him. He should be scoring. It again. If you don't give him another contract, your job is then to go and find another striker who also makes the most of every single chance McGeady puts on a plate one. Because our experience, major aside, is that those strikers aren't easy to come by. Because in paper. Well, Grigg should be doing that, and he did nothing of the sort. So, again, it's just like he is, he's limited in certain ways. And I think Ross Stewart had a better game than the weekend and looks like he's got more to his all-round game. Ross Stewart hasn't had a run on the side yet where we can see if he can put away all of those chances somebody like McGeady can make for him, though. Yeah, and I think Wyke, Wyke is his pressing game is pretty good as well. Like he does shut defenders down. Um, and I think that part of his game is underrated. Um, and I think that's another factor to consider as well, because I don't really subscribe to the idea that he's just about, it's just about, he does score the odd tap and he doesn't do anything else. I don't think that's really fair. I think when someone's good, I think wipe off the ball is actually pretty important. Um, yeah, I think, Listen, I think with one Wikes, it's one of those situations we talked about McGeady and his situation. Like, I would look to keep Wyke, but I do think Wyke will have offers from the championship. And yeah. is he at an age now where it's a big opportunity for him yeah. to potentially go and get a three year deal from somebody? Yeah. I guess it depends um, what power we have over that, doesn't it? And Johnson, Johnson said a few times, not specifically to Wyke, who, by the way, he has said he wants to keep, like, he, he does want to give him a new deal. Um, again, that won't be his call in the end or his kind of negotiations, but. Johnson said a few times, it's not just about who we want to keep, it's about what the players want to do and some of these players will want to play a high level and I've always felt that kind of White's one of the ones he's referring to there in terms of he will have interest and it will be his decision whether yeah. he wants to try and make that. I think, I think if Charlie White gets an offer from the Championship, I think he'll want to go. Definitely. And I think he will get I think he will get offers from the championship just because of regardless of what you think of his ability and stuff, he scored bloody thirty odd calls and he's the first player since Kevin Phillips to do it. And you know, regardless of how good his all round players or how cleanly he strikes the ball, he puts a ball in the back of the net and he's done it a lot. And it would again, I think people are overthinking it a lot if they think it's it's a good recruitment plan if we had the power to keep him, to say, no, let him go, because, you know, he's not great apart from scoring all those goals. It's lunacy, because where are you going to find another 30 goal mm. plus striker from? Um, I think he'll leave for the reasons you've said, Phil, but I I think the club will try and keep him, and I think they should try and keep him. Um, I thought it was interesting, the thing about him getting stick, because after he missed that chance, actually, the South Stand chatting his name for a good five minutes after that mm. to, to show him support. Yes. You just get... Hey. I didn't sort of get the impression people were on him for that. No, neither did I, but then you read on social... This is what I'm saying. I, I think I must go to the match in my own little bubble. I'll be in my own little social media bubble because I've not seen 
I didn't see him get stick off anybody in the ground. Like I say, they, they, they went out of the way to chant his name for a good five minutes after he missed that chance to get behind him and then, and then he scored again after that. When he went around the goalkeeper there, and it's easy to see it, if he, if he needed to hit it the first time on his left foot and then the ball got stuck under his feet and then he's got a problem because he's got to think about what to do and that's, it just, that's just how it played out. But yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd keep him and, but I don't think he'll stay. I think he'll go. He'll probably end up going for something like that. It's very easy. Yeah, like, it's just got a feeling. I'm a just, lot of people like, are seeing that feeling, but I, with good reason, I guess. He's holding down club, wants to stay in the area. You know, you're interested, yeah. you're potentially getting somebody. There's no way, there's no way that a championship club won't take a chance on a player who scored 30 goals um, for free. I agree. It's, it's free. They don't have to pay a fee. So they're going to have it. They'll have it. They'll have a good goal. The, the word from Middlesbrough has been that he's not on their list. Now, that might be double bluffing. I don't know. Um, but interestingly, that is the, um, that has been the word from Middlesbrough. But we'll see on that one. Okay. So I think, you know, if we had your way, you'd want to keep White, you'd want to keep McGeady, um, you'd want to keep all nine. And I think we can establish there the only dead certs we've gone for with, um, a couple, with a couple maybes. I think Hume's pretty much a dead cert. Oh, sorry, Hume, yeah, yeah. I think. Yeah. Is O'Brien well, out of contract as well? No, O'Brien signed two years. I'll double-check that for you now. Did he really? Yeah, but I'm pretty sure. I thought, I thought he signed a year. I'll double-check now, Gareth, but I'm pretty sure he signed two could years. Be, could be wrong. Well, while Phil does that, we'll just say, uh, you know, thanks for listening again and thanks for li- being with us. Yeah, two-year deal. <laughs> Through two-year. another season. Um, and, you know, it will get better eventually. I'm sure of it. Um, it's going to be hard. But when does that retained list come, Phil? When, when are we expecting that? Well, they have to submit it by Wednesday. Obviously, yeah. what clubs normally do is they just say the players who they're in talks with. Um, but you don't have to release it publicly on Wednesday. So they'll have to submit to the AFL by Wednesday, but it could be a little while before we before we see it. Okay. Well, I'll try and uh, distract yourself from from the from more play, playoff misery as a football tournament in the summer. So that'd be good. Mm-hmm. Get behind England, the English, or get behind whichever country you support, um, and take your mind off it. And then it'll just be interesting to see what kind of approach we take because we're told this is a brand new world, um, and some people are skeptical about that. You know. Juan Satori being on the board, for example, and then tweeting stuff about Suarez when the match was on and just ignoring Sunderland entirely on Twitter, um, which is bizarre behaviour for somebody who's supposed to have a, an interest in a football club he part own, partly owns. So let's just hope that, you know, a lot of that is, for, is a front and this is a brand new, this is a new dawn and um, the pressure's on. People like Christian Speakman to deliver. There's, there's no getting away from that. We shouldn't be here. And I think it's fair that we all um, judge them on the transfer activity. Are you hopeful, people, before we leave? What's your positivity like? It's going to be difficult this year with it, in terms of the other teams, but, you know. I am, pos- I am positive, but I'm also really tired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, it's difficult uh... Know. Interesting. It's really, really fascinating us to see what kind of players they bring in. They've taught, like, you know, people keep on, he saw he speaks well, he speaks well, he says this, we've got a plan, or he's saying this and he's saying that. Speaks in cliches. Yeah, 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 but, you know, this is it. People like to hear these things. We're going to do this, we're going to do that. And, you know, well, and yes, it didn't have a long in January. You could argue, you know, like you say, Phil, the business in January wasn't great. 
Um, didn't seem to match really bring in anyone of significant um, in terms of the attributes that were lacking. So let's see what starts to happen when you know the f- first couple of signs are always the interesting ones, aren't they? Because people kind of go, "Oh well, if if you sign the best players first, people are usually happier with the, whatever comes afterwards." But if you sign sort of like squad type players first. And the better players later, people kind of don't more talk more negatively about your approach to the transfer window. I don't know, is that fair to say? That's like a general reflection, maybe because it's that instant thing. Sets the tone. Know. Yeah, it does set the tone, even though it's like completely illogical because you know you, you need to get all your players in over that yeah. period of time. It doesn't really matter. And sometimes the easiest ones to sort out yeah. are the ones <laughs> that yeah. aren't going to set the pulses. Not in demand. Them. Yeah, not as yeah. in demand. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens, I think. And you know, you know, you've you've they've got to they've got to ensure that you know the you know the the prove themselves correct in in what they say about you know we're going to do this and you know, these are the kind of players we want. It's going to be high tempo kind of thing, attacking football, whatever. All this they've got they've got if Lincoln can do it, if Lincoln find these players and bring them in, and they haven't just done it this season. <clears throat> done other seasons <clears throat> so with their infrastructure and budget if they can do it we should be able to mm. especially if there is if the people in charge of doing it are as uh, you know good as they are sounding confident and being able to deliver the plan whatever that may be Okay, well, watch out for those specials we mentioned this week, Chris Rushworth and uh, Steph Horton. So they should be really interesting. But in terms of where Sunderland are now, we probably will do something over the summer we normally do. Um, We'll have a couple of weeks off and then we'll get the taste for it again. And we might sort of, you know, whether it's season, previous season reviews or something, we'll, uh, we'll see. But for now, as always, thanks for listening.